thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you've tuned to the guard frequency because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 234 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever, recorded on Friday, October 19th and made available for download on Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Ken Shadow. And I'm Tony. And Henry's streams go on every second of the night, right Jeff? That's right, Tony. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter, at GuardFreak, or Facebook.com slash GuardFreak. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so hit us up and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should come join us at about 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? You can always support the show by visiting our website and clicking on the Patreon logo and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us week on week. We hope you'll consider joining them because the more support we can get, the better show we can make. Just head over to our website and click on that big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping's done, so let's get to the show. What do we got in store this week, Jeff? In this week's Flight Deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Star Citizen and Elite Dangerous. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach. Trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Frontier Development hosted its first live stream reveal of the upcoming features in Chapter 4 of the Beyond series. With two more streams scheduled, all before the beta starts on October 30th. And we'll follow up our CitizenCon 2018 review with a quick look at a few of six panel discussions. Well, we say quick look, but it was there's some pretty in-depth stuff going on here, and, and we all have some, some words to say, I think. So uh, this one's going to... Buckle up, kids. This one's going to be another long one. Uh, but first of all, uh, I'd like to talk about the Elite uh, one, just as a... As a break, you know, you got an hour and a half of CIG last week, so we're gonna we're gonna start off with the elite stuff. So uh, last Tuesday, no Thursday, Thursday, it was Thursday, 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 uh, the day before we recorded the show. Uh, you'd, you'd think I would just refer to that as yesterday, but that's that's not where I am right now. Uh, they had a hour and a half, nearly two hour long live stream, going over about a third to a half of the features that are coming in the Chapter 4 release. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this one 
is there is a big one. It's a it's a lot of there's a lot of stuff uh, coming with this patch. I'll go through kind of a list of the high level categories, and then we can, we can kind of take them apart as we see fit. The first one that I want to uh, talk about is the is the grand compromise that they did with the honk with the uh, scanner. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, the the scanner changed the blue squiggles. Uh, they have they have a compromise for that, and so that that's the first uh, topic of discussion. The next thing that they went through was the entire revamp of the discovery. Uh, or the the uh, system scan process. They're now calling it the full system scanner. Then they have the discovery scanner, which is how you ta- uh, discover things about specific planets when you want to talk and uh, talk about specific planets and their details. Then uh, revamp to the uh, unidentified signal sources, uh, geographical points of interest, planetary features. They've revamped all that as well. Um, they've uh, revamped how you make money as far as exploration goes. Uh, there's some changes to multi-crew. There's changes in the UI, uh, both in your panel operations inside your cockpit, as well as the galaxy map. You've got a new view of the systems now. Then there's the codex, which is another entire new thing uh, that's going to be a better organization for all of your old commander stats, plus a lot of new information and new features that are going to go into that uh, as well that's going to feed into exploration. Then they have a knowledge base, which is a lot of lore stuff that you previously had to sort of go elsewhere to find or dig deep into the game to locate. That's all going to be centralized and located now. Also now, and then this is this is actually finally uh, a lot some visualization improvements and some uh, graphics updates uh, that are going to make the game look nicer. Which so, which is the first thing they actually talked about. Well, they talked about it first because it was easy to get out of the way. I talked about it last because I think it's going to impact everything the least. So we can talk about it now right here. It looks pretty. It looks cool. And they said that it's a uh, performance neutral. They said that it should not, the way they've optimized it, that it should not have an effect on most systems. So you're going to get this, this visualization update essentially for, quote, free as far as computational resources go. So... That's great. So, so one of the things that caught me was I was listening because I, I was kind of droning on and oh, that's cool, that's cool, and yeah, that looks that looks really. I want to go to that ice place where they where it was all foggy and and uh, yeah, that was really neat. But fog is now a thing. Yeah, the one thing that caught me was like he said that it, like if you have a, a a ruptured canopy or a or, or some type of damage in your canopy, if you look through the crack. The color and chromatic are, are is going to be even different, and it's like yeah. now that's some realism. That's yeah, he some... said it wasn't going to blind you, but it'd be bright. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Because in lore, in fiction, your 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 windscreen, your canopy is supposed to be almost like a a uh, augmented reality sort of thing. It's supposed to filter stuff and provide information, and you see that now a little bit. If your canopy blows out, you don't get your targeting reticle anymore. You're targeting. You're, you can't. Uh, you can't use your targeting reticle anymore, and, and so for navigating and, and following and targeting ships is harder. But now they said if your canopy blows out and you're looking at the sun, if you put the sun on like half your canopy, the broken part, and then the op- part open to space, the part open to space will be actually brighter than the part that's behind the, behind the canopy still. That's awesome. And that's all part of their lighting changes. Awesome. So, yeah, it, 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 it's again it, the, the biggest selling point on that to me is that they say it's performance neutral like that's kind of fascinating to me that they're going to deliver a better visual experience and we're not supposed to see any impact on on computer resources so we'll wait and see but that's cool 
but that's that's kind. Of, I mean, there's not a lot to discuss there unless I mean unless anybody else had anything that they saw. Um, it's just going to look cooler. There were a lot of other things to cooler. talk about besides the graphics. That's why I wanted yeah. to get this out of the way because I knew. Yeah, it was, yeah it, 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 just get out of the way. What, let, actually, I have one more little, little point. Fog is now a thing, and that's going to play into some of the exploration in other environments. So they really upped their game on the fog stuff. Yeah, yeah that uh, was like, really cool. Like, I like, can't wait to like see Jeff was saying, and that's going to overlap. All right, so uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to I'm going to give a, a slow clap to Frontier. This I um, I'm um, extraordinarily pleased with how they handled the resoundingly negative feedback that they got for the uh, scanner uh, change, because what they did refresh people's memory. The honk isn't going to show you the system anymore. It's just going to give you the blue squiggles on the scanner screen. I had issues with this, and many other people did as well. Uh, and so they went back, not to the drawing board, because the system was already more or less in place, and they weren't going to throw away months of work just because some people with podcasts said that's a bad idea, or that Reddit you know, tried to set things on fire. What they did instead was they went back and said, well, what can we do to mitigate this? And what the solution they came up with was rather elegant, is that... When, you, when you've scanned and turned in system information to Universal Cartographics, that information will now be shared amongst all commanders. So if someone has gone in and done the work of scanning the system, you'll now see, when you honk yourself, you'll see the planets come in, not the blue squiggles. If no one's scanned and turned in the system information, you're going to get the blue squiggles. Why I find this to be a big win is because my huge complaint was that they're taking something that gave you a lot of information and then obfuscating that information behind a, a fiddly mini-game crazy interface thing. What they've done now is actually give you more information on Honk because now you'll know for sure whether someone has been there before or not. Now, of course, there's the window between someone scanning and someone turning it in, so if someone's flying back to the starport, they may beat you. Um, but for the most part, you'll know when you're not the first person to be in that system. You know that now, though, when you go into Elite and the existing screen, you can see Discovered by, so you know if it's never been discovered, so... The difference is, the difference is, I will now know with just a look. Before, I'd have to mouse over everything and check each individual body, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I'd, I'd have to hover over each one to see if there's a Discovered by, and that takes time, and it takes my hand off the throttle and uh, stick, and I've got to fiddle with it. Now, after the honk... I'll just know. I always thought it was strange that you didn't get the information or the benefit of someone else having visited. If I go to a, an island somewhere, I'm going to take maps that other people have made for it. You know what I mean? There, right. There's going to be data there, and I think that it was kind of immersion-breaking that that didn't exist in Elite. I thought that was kind of silly. Right. If I'm bringing right. back and my this... data to sell, and they're selling it to a universal card of graphics, but those guys aren't making maps, what the hell? <laughs> well, it's because the union didn't spring for the higher end package. That's the problem. You see, we, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't buy the updates. You only get like the the basic. The, the, the union only gives us the basic update. But I think they've rectified that with this change, and the the honk now actually gives you more information. Uh, to my view, you know, it, I'm not the first one that's been here, and I can see the planets here, and I'm not interested in any of them. I'll just move on. Or if I honk and it's all blue squiggles, I know I'm the first one here, and I better scan it and map it and then hurry my ass back to the station to sell it so I get the tag. Tony, I'm, I'm going to shock you. I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that shocking. I know. Um, it's because it's right. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Tony was right. It's just that I'm... Oh, I, come on. Give I, me this I'm one. Just, I, on. too, am giving the slow clap to Elite on this because my, my issue wasn't so much the data collection and all that. My issue was, you know, having to see all these planets. I, now I go through, I honk... 
I don't care if anybody's been there before me or after me, but was just seeing the data. But now this gives us a way, if we really want to uh, get more information, get more data, we go in, we honk, we see that nobody else has been there and go, hmm, I can actually break off what I'm doing and I could go explore this region and get a few more bucks out of it. You, know and then, how, you now have the option. Yeah, yeah you exactly. now have an option here to either continue on your way or, you know, do a little exploration and discover something and get your name on it. I have to give uh, ED a, a, a high five on this this um, iteration of what they've done. Uh, well, I think I think we're missing one point is that there's a lot of the information that we already have. What I think is different that is going to annoy people is that it's going to take longer probably to get to that information um, because you, you may not have to... Uh, not, maybe not that information, but to get all the information in a system, because you, you don't have to fly to everything, but you have to turn and scan everything to fill in whether or not you want to fly out and, and map something. So popping in and getting just kind of the general overview is still going to take longer than it would have, I think. Yeah, they, they made a point on the video saying, oh, every, saying, everybody in chat saying how long this is taking. Well, we're just demoing it. Trust me, it'll take, it, it, it doesn't take this long. And then they didn't really <laughs> show us how it didn't take that long. It doesn't take that long if you get fast at it. That's dumb. <laughs> well, remember, they also said that we're getting updated uh, discovery scanners. We're getting updated surface scanners. We're getting pro. We're getting probes, unlimited probes. Well, we'll get to the, we'll get to those things. But there are two things directly to Henry's point that we need to address. Number one is that the new scan that you're doing that uh, it now it, it's this is the uh, old advanced discovery scanner plus the actual detailed surface scanner. So you're getting basically two scans in one now. All that old functionality is now migrated into this one system. So you're getting all the, the mineral data and the average temperature and all the stuff that you'd usually have to fly up to and point your nose at to get that. So you're getting more data with that scan. The second thing is they gave us a benchmark or a metric. Um, Adam, there's two Adams. It was the Adam all the way to the left, the guy that actually was sort of the designer, not the executive producer. He said that he flew into a system with about 70 bodies and went through the whole thing in about 20 to 25 minutes. So on average, it should take you about 20 seconds to scan a body. And to me, that's maybe a little long for a mini game, but not egregiously long for a mini game. 20 seconds on 20 seconds on each body uh, to to locate it, to zoom in, to lock on, get the scan and move. And they said they were waiting for the planet to visually resolve. You don't have to do that. You can just, as soon as you get the confirmation that you've locked on, you can move on to the next body. So if you don't want to see the pretty planet in your little telescope, you don't have to. But it is cool. It's a great view. It is cool to it's watch. It's really cool the way yeah. it's zoomed up and looks like it's looked at from a distance, not really crisp. Enhance. It's really Computer, cool. Computer, focus and enhance. So this new interface for scanning that you enter when you move into a system, when you used to jump in, or right now when you jump in, you're looking at the star, you can perform the discovery scan, you can be flying around the star in VR while you're doing all that, and then jump onto the next system after you've honked and it's no big mm -hmm. deal. Now to get um, that, that data, you're gonna have to change screens and I think it's gonna take explorers really out of their immersive VR experience to have to go to something like this, the galaxy map, which is kind of what this is doing. It's stepping you into a yeah. whole different environment. And they didn't confirm that that's what's happening, but they spent maybe three lines of, uh, they, they said maybe three things about VR, three, 
three words. They were like, uh, we're trying to make it as un- less or least uncomfortable as possible or something, or as comfortable yeah. as possible. That doesn't make yeah. me happy. I mean, that doesn't make me happy yeah. at all. It, it was but, a caveat. Know. It was like, it, it, at, the end of the, at the end of the show, they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, Henry, shut up about it already. I asked him five <laughs> times in chat. I did. I was sitting there in chat going, what about VR? How does this play in VR? What does this look like in VR? And they were like, somebody would shut that guy from guard frequency up. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a vendetta now for sure. But it is, to my mind, it's a little short-sighted of them to treat VR as, a, as an afterthought, as a secondary thing. Because they, Elite is, in, at least in my view, and I think this is relatively a, a common view, they're one of the premier VR titles. They're one of the titles that when people mention and talk about VR, they say you really ought to try Elite Dangerous in it because it changes the game experience that much. I think, Henry, that's that's your view. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so so to, to treat it as an afterthought might be a mistake. On the other hand, they've got the metrics. They know how many people... Uh, of their user base are using VR uh, via that uh, options menu toggle. So they may know that only X percent of the of the uh, installed user base uses VR, and so they, they might be justified treating it as an afterthought. So it, 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 it is, it's, I think it's a missed opportunity for them to, to not design with that uh, at the front of the mind. All right, so detailed surface scanner or space golf as I think it will become uh, uh, come to be known in, in circumstances and circles around the world now. Uh, Henry, did you like the? Did you like what you saw in Space Golf? Yeah, it looks cool. I like it. It, it looks fun. It looks like uh, something they probably should have had for the detailed surface scanner from the beginning, I think. I think it was really weak, the first implementation, so I really like the detail in the new stuff. It looks like fun to be able to try to aim and find stuff. I also think it's cool that you don't have to scan a whole planet. If you find an interesting thing, you could just go down and explore the part you've uh, you've scanned so that's cool i'm a little questionable about unlimited probes though yeah it seems like they like if everything else they should have had i mean i, I get the design philosophy behind it because these explorers the ones using it are the ones that are going to be traveling the farthest away from populated space they're not going to be near refueling points uh, they don't want to jump out of their srvs to mine to get resources to refuel the data uh, probes. I wouldn't mind I having understand. to do it every once in a while, but I don't want to have to do it every day. You know, if I had to stop off yeah. every couple of days and grab some more iron or something to make up some probes, I would get that. That'd be fine. But I don't yeah. want to have to grind. Like, the, with, with Frontiers Past, it would be something like, you've got to mine 10 million irons to make 10 probes, and it takes 50 probes to scan a planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I no, I agree. I think I think they could have made it uh, palatable, but I think that the the and I think they even made the comment on the stream, dialing the number in was more trouble than it's worth. Uh, you know, more design trouble than it's worth trying to get in, anticipate all the edge cases and stuff. So they just said, ah, just just shoot stuff to your heart's content. I got to count heat so sinks. Really, I mean, it's no different. I, no, I agree with. You. I mean, I re- I think they should have done the work. I really do think they should have done the work. But again, I think this was a, a case of they heard from their specific user segment that would that's going to use this system, and saw feedback ranging from like you know like you're saying, stop me every couple of days, yeah. to dear God, I never want to stop ever. And they probably figured you know trying to trying to thread that needle was just in the amount of time that they had it was just too much 
um, not worth the effort. Probably what so happened I, to my precious VR. Not worth the effort and the amount of time we have. It's, it's sacrificed on the uh, on the altar of the of the time budget. Yeah, of the, of the schedule. So probably. But uh, but I, I think I think space golf is going to be pretty fun and kind of cool. And I think we're going to get a lot more um, double entendres, if you know what I mean, um, uh, regarding you know, unlimited probing and uh, you know golf metaphors, which you know that's all double entendres. I mean, is there a golf metaphor that's not a double entendre? I don't think it is. Uh, so uh, that's that's for, I think that's it for mapping. That'll be fun. So the other, uh, next thing is that um, USSs and points of interest. So on some landable planets, you've got space fungus and space pumpkins and barnacles and crashed ships and other stuff like that that you sort of had to visually ID at first, and then they gave them to you at a thousand light seconds away. Next, now they're going to give them to you with the system scan, the full system scan. You'll be able to see that when you honk and then focus. So you'll be able to map those out and they'll persist for a while. So you can find a signal that you want to explore, identify it, say, I'm not equipped to handle that, fly back to a base, rearm and re-equip, and then come back and handle it. They're gonna, it's going to persist for enough time for you to be able to do that. So I think that's, that's a huge change from what they are now, spontaneously appearing and disappearing willy-nilly. So I think that's going to be a, a good change, too. When I first heard that, I wondered, why are they going to make them expire at all? I mean, if they're going to make them persist for a while and then expire, and what happens? You come back to the system, do new ones ex- show up, and then have yeah. a time of their own before they expire, and the old ones are still there counting down? Or do new ones not spawn until the old ones have expired? I anticipate, or I suspect, that the way that they designed it was that you know the the stellar forge generates that seed the seed populates the system and then there's going to be a layer over that of USSs and that layer will have a lifetime ranging from the instant you scan until the longest clock expires and then once that longest clock expires it'll probably redo it on the next scan but but they're visible to everybody not just you right that's my understanding yes so you would trigger them spawning, but then somebody else shows up, and the ones that are there are the ones you triggered. If yeah, if they show up in the time frame. Yeah, that makes if they sense. show up in that same time frame. Of course, that means I show up twenty minutes after you, and all of the signal sources are about to expire. Am I under the clock that you set, and now I have five minutes to complete any tasks? I think that's not cool. That's I don't my understanding. That, I don't know that that's the way it'll work. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. Well, and it could and it could be that you know the way it is now that you're instanced, right? So even if you're in open. You don't see all the commanders that are in that system. You see just a certain subset because it's like peer-to-peer stuff. Yeah. So there may be five or six or eight different versions of the system uh, that ex- that exist at any one time, and you just instanced into one of them. I think the system's smart enough to remember which one you instanced into, and they'll just put you back in there if you go back. Um, but other commanders might see that version of it if you're the one that spawned it, say, and then, or it might just keep it for you. And maybe you have to have a wing to go back to it. I, I actually, I'm not. I, I don't really know. I'm we'll this have is theory. To see. I mean, I don't point. know. We'll have to see how I, it plays. I out. was wondering why they have to expire them at all, and then I realized they probably expire them because otherwise, people would identify rich resource deposits in, you know, those unidentified signal sources, like where they can always pick up certain materials, and then they would yeah. farm the hell out of it. So I get why they're not doing that because the idea behind them, the lore idea, is that it's. It's an unidentified thing that shouldn't be there right now. Why is that there? I gotta go check it out. Yeah. So if yeah, it was persistent and always there, it wouldn't work that way. So I get it. Yep. I get it. So I think that'll be a good change. Um, we've got uh, then. So the money, th- money side of it. So your initial honk, they've sort of tried to calibrate it so that you'll wind up making the same amount of money, roughly as your honk now. 
So your honk now gets you the star and all of the orbiting bodies. Uh, you don't get any details on them, but you know they exist. And the more bodies that you get, uh, typically the higher the payout. That's not going to change. You're still going to get those amount of credits uh, on honk. Now you're going to get uh, opportunity to make more with the full system scan. And I think that they've probably balanced that out so it would be roughly equivalent to you going to each individual planet and getting the detailed surface scan uh, now. So that's going to be a lot faster, too. And then you get even more money if you map it, which is the new um, mechanic. And then you get even more money if you're the first person to discover and map everything. So they've increased the potential payout for exploration quite a bit, but it's going to take a lot of time to get down to that level of detail. Yeah, that sounds good, though. Gives us a reason to go and look at things. Yeah, it sounds really good. Uh, and finally, uh, here, no, next, not finally. There's, geez, there's so much of it. Um, it's now open, it's going to be open to multi-crew. Apparently, they've cracked the magic um, so that you can have somebody flying the ship, watching out for pirate interdictions, uh, you know, uh, making sure you don't fly into the sun, and then someone in your gunner seat can run the scanner. So Henry can still fly in VR, and I can go in and telepresence and run his scanner for him so he can still have his VR experience not ruined and then I can just run the scanner and then he and I will split the payouts but, but he'll see you in, uh, you'll see you in the seat next to him in the VR experience right yeah yeah so that would ruin his VR experience right I was I was I'll let you do it it's I'll not really it. it's an comment. avatar you don't really have to look at Tony oh, it's an avatar oh, of Tony I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> yeah another the next uh, the next fun item here is the aura review so and I think this is going to help out a lot with the new way they're doing um uh uh, unidentified system scans and also help you plot out your route if you want to go do mapping because it'll actually show you a system view of where everything's located. Right now it's kind of tricky because if you want to like figure out what planet to go to next you can just find out which one's closer but you might be going to the other side of the sun and then the other planets are back on the other side of the sun so you got to fly back and it's... The problem is it's a chart right now. It's not a map. It's like a chart, right? And it has a all the information you need, but it's it's like a chart form. It's not visually representative of mm -hmm. where things are and how far they are from each other in any way. And it doesn't tell you where you really are relative to any of them because it just puts a marker and says, you're closest to this guy, which is over mm -hmm. here somewhere. And, and that's yeah. no good. So the new system, you can see exactly where you are. You see where all the bodies are that you've discovered. Um, and you can kind of get an idea where you want to go next based on where is actually closest might not be closest by distance because there might be a star in a way. Is that what you meant? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you might have to yeah. fly to the other side of the star. Yeah, and so now you can actually really use around. a map like a map. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, and especially for when you, if you, uh, especially with the timer on the uh, unidentified uh, signal sources, you might want to hit two or three of them. Like, oh, those are interesting. I want to try all those, but I only have limited time. So these are the ones that are closest, or I can I can do it in this order and have a chance of getting all, getting to all three. Uh, uh, plot your route out that way. So I, that's going to be a good change, too. I, I'm excited to see that happening. Okay, so then there's this whole other... Oh, let, let's let's jump to the UI next, because that's that's easy. Uh, and it kind of it will feed into the talk about the codex. So the UI on the left and right side panels where you access all your ship functions and inventories and all that kind of stuff has been mostly the same, some minor tweaks between patches, but it's been pretty much the same since launch. They're getting it's getting kind of a big rework now. Your left panel isn't changing too much. The, you still got the navigation. You still got the uh, transaction tab. That's got it's going to be a little bit better, a little bit better organized. 
yeah, the transact the contacts tab is going to be a little more streamlined, and that stream the streamlining is going to mean no more pop out menus. So docking is just going to be on that main screen now. You just arrow over and hit it. Uh, uh, then the when you uh, locking onto other ships, this is now its own tab. So if you want to scan the other ship or sub-target it, that's a menu in its own tab now. That's not too big of a change. Here's the thing that makes... that It doesn't seem like a big change, but it's going to make problems with a lot of stuff. HCS Voice Packs is not built to like look at your panel and know which way to go. It knows it needs to press up twice and left three times to get to contacts or something. So right. it's not going to adapt to this very well. I'll bet you the guys at HCS Voice Packs are watching this going, Damn! Watching the <laughs> watching the videos, going, we're gonna be so I busy. Gu- I can guarantee you that they're already well ahead of this, and they and they're since they're licensed with uh, with ED, they're they're probably already in the dev loop. So that'd be really cool. I hope I don't have to wait too long before uh, Crewman Eli is good again. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I don't want them to just be bumbling and and screwing everything up. Um, yeah, request docking and you boost into the station. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's no want to try that. Uh, but your right-hand panel is changing significantly. They're rearranging a number of things there and, and putting pulling some stuff out of that menu entirely and moving it into the codex. So there's a bunch of changes going on there. Um, I think for the better, uh, they're making more room in some of the UIs and taking some stuff out of the... They, could, they talked about the functions menu being sort of like the dumping ground for every random thing that they needed to add. And so it's good that that's been better organized. Uh, so that's going to... That's gonna, clean some stuff up i think uh so but watch out for all those changes and try to keep up not only a better organized a lot of it's been moved to a whole new menu that's like in yeah. another experience so once again i'm not looking at a console in my ship i've got to move to some disembodied environment again um to do things with functions so that kind of sucks for me but it, yeah yeah for on the vr side of it it does it, it does take you out of it a little bit there was some speculation um based on some of the lore posts that they'd had uh, in galnet that your new quote interface for this stuff would have been like a new a new tablet, like your your commander would have pulled a tablet out of the side of his uh, um, chair and Love held it. it up. Would have been great. That would have been cool. Yeah, that, well, that would have been cool. Here's what we have: when we dock at a station, we get a computer interface that overlays everything. Why isn't that just opening up with these systems on top of it? I mean, that's that's already there. That's we question. already have the interface for. For using that for outfitting, for everything, it just comes up right. Well, not for outfitting, but it comes up right yeah. in front of your interface. Start, start commodities services. trading. Yeah, yeah. commodities trading and uh, turning in uh, uh, bounties and all that stuff. Yeah, it's possible that there will be some effect that happens when this screen comes up that it'll make sense. It won't just like make everything go black while it loads. And then if my computer sucks today, it's gonna make me sit in a black area for like three seconds before things load around me while I can't control my ship. That's gonna be terrible. I don't want that yeah. to happen at all. My suspicion is that um, for the some early design choices that they made about the nature of the heads-up display, that it being rendered sort of in-world, um, that I think they probably, for artistic reasons, need it to be a different screen. Because, you know, some people change their HUD colors to be blue or green or whatever, and that changes the way faces render and all other kind of stuff. It changes the colors and all that kind of thing. Because it's part of the in-game world. Uh, so if you change that, that that color scheme, it changes the way those things render. So I think probably to, because of that, it might have made it more difficult or more trouble than it's worth. There's that phrase again to put, do a to do a thing like you're suggesting, make it part of that starport menu like interface. So um, maybe someday. The last thing I want to hit is with the interface update. I think it's a missed opportunity not to let us get some kind of control over changing colors in game. 
Um, yeah. I know there's a new plugin that's doing it as a graphical yeah. interface, which is cool. And we should talk about that at some point, but not when we have so much Star Citizen to get to. And then finally, there's the communications tab up front where they teased it a little bit, but they didn't really get to it too much, is the, uh, the squadrons. Um, there's a squadrons tab up there now. They sort of consolidated your social tabs and replaced it with a squadrons tab. They didn't show anything off. That'll be in a future live stream. Um, but uh, that's where you'll find squadrons. You mean they didn't show off the part that everyone was concerned about that went to the face-to-face thing, right? But that's for the, the last part of the update. Or, yeah, the last part, I think. It's not for the part that's coming out at Halloween in beta. Oh, I see. So they have time to fix it. Yeah, yeah. This is them teasing something that will be shown in a live stream, I think, in three weeks. So the, ne- the last thing we need to talk about is the, the codex, which is it's, it's going to solve a number of problems. It might create a couple of other ones, but it's going to solve a lot of the problems that has been a, compl- a complaint about ED and a valid one for a long time about how you have to go out of the game to find out about stuff in the game. And this is going to help with that significantly, I think. Um, it helps track your progress, too. That's that's yeah, a yeah. cool thing. There's a lot yeah, of see, benefit to the codex. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you know, that's stuff that you would go out of game to do, too. There's plugins you can download for Elite Dangerous that connect to websites like Inara.cz, let you uh, you know track your, your ships and your, uh, your course history and your rank advancement and you know, your session uh, activity, all kinds of different things, that's all going to be in the codex now. So it'll be in-game. Plus a lot of the lore that you only get if you have read the books or have uh, uh, kept up with Galnet. Galnet itself has, you know, been available for in-cockpit reading to you for uh, since a lot, one of the pre- most recent updates. Now you're going to get a lot of stuff, background information about the Empire, about the Federation, that you can just hit play on and go mine some rocks or go haul some cargo and just... Uh, find out about the the lore of Elite Dangerous. Plus, there's a little bit of an Easter egg in there on that lore stuff. Uh, people that have been around Elite for a long time will know the Dark Wheel and Raxla are things that have been hinted at or, or you know talked about since the 1984 version of Elite. Those are apparently going to make an appearance of some kind in the game via a very interesting system called the, uh, the Rumors... Uh, what's it called? It's Rumors Reported and Discovered. Status: The galaxy is now divided into 42 regions, and each of those regions will have rumored things, which can be upgraded to reported things, and once somebody verifies them, get upgraded even further to discovered. I think and there's. So I, th- I think that's not quite correct. My understanding is that they're rumored when they're put into the game, reported once people have started discovering them, and discovered once you personally have discovered it. Oh, okay. So yeah. the, the discovery comes when you've, you've witnessed it yourself. Right. So... This is how they're going to sprinkle breadcrumbs around for commanders to find stuff. Because now that's been a really... Before before now, it's been really hit and miss how you do that. You have to go find beacons, or you have a pop-up uh, mission appear, and you're in the middle of something you don't want to go do with it, deal with it. Now, if you want to do that sort of stuff, it'll be here in a menu. This is actually one more instance of, of how they've taken something you had to go outside of the game to do and put it inside, because you would have to find out about the rumors on the internet. You'd have to find out about the reports on the internet and watch somebody's YouTube video and find the coordinates and go try to figure out where it is in coordinates. Yep. All these things that you had to be a really hardcore elite player to want to do, you know, maybe maybe new players will have a better experience now. I think it's going to lead to a lot of that, and, and I think it will enhance GPR. So you know what I want. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we can we can you can use this. You know, rumors of some sort yeah. of thing have been reported yeah. in Region Twelve. You know, I mean it's it's the kind of thing where you don't have the effort to uncover and discover things. 
has just dropped dramatically with the with the activation of this new so, system. So will everybody see the same rumors, or are the rumors potentially player-specific? Everyone, I believe. Because yeah. from what I read, everybody gets the rumors when they're put into the game. So they add an asset somewhere, some crashed ship. Now there's rumors of it in some sector. And then people go and find it, it starts getting reported, and then you'll know where to go, and then when you get it, it's actually discovered. Do you get, like, any kind of discovery bonus if you're the first one to report it? I hope so. I think so. I, I don't know, but I would assume so. I would imagine it's probably tied to the exploration system, and I would also imagine that that's the sort of thing that, if you're out there pushing the boundaries and getting the blue squiggles, that's the sort of stuff you're going to find. Like, whether you, if you just, even if you just turn in the blue squiggle data, that means that you've gone into the system, the Stellar Forge has generated the seed, populated it with the planets and whatever, and that's where you'll, the, the system knows that there's a landable planet at this distance from this star that you can put geographical features on, like a crash ship or a space fungus or something. So I have a feeling that's how that's going to, that, that's how it's going to kick off. And it, all that ties very nicely into the motivation for someone to go do those mappings, because then you'll know exactly where those things are. It won't be a rumor anymore; it'll be reported. So, it, it, it's I think it's a good system, and I think people are going to really have fun taking it apart. And I also think that whatever bread comes they drop will be located in 20 minutes. This is going to be another thing where they're going to have to work hard to keep the system fed. Uh, uh, with all the excitement it's going to generate. So we talked a little bit about the knowledge base, but that's where you can just uh, uh, listen to articles and stuff as you drive. I want to cover one more thing, that's the release schedule. Beta is going to be October 30th, and it's going to run for four weeks. Now, Henry, you wanted to mention like how that was going to Oh, uh, Just uh, that go. the first part of it is the exploration update, so all the cool stuff that we just saw, I think, is in the 30th. And we're yeah. going to have another uh, live stream that covers what comes out the following week. So it's going to be in phases like that. Yeah. So the first week is going to be, like I said, exploration. And it's also going to cover what they're going to cover on the next live stream, which I believe is the scenarios and the update to the background simulation system. So all that's going to be in the first beta release. That stuff that's all going out. The next one is going to get squadrons and something else. I don't remember, but it's gonna squadrons is the one I'm interested in, so that's gonna that's gonna be. And then the third week, there's gonna be ships. There's gonna be apparently a couple of new ships. One of them looks like they're gonna be the Crate Phantom, which is a, a different version of the Crate that we just got. Rumor is that the next, the other one's gonna be a big uh, cargo hauler, sometimes called the Panther Clipper, which was I think something in an earlier game that they're gonna pull forward. But it's just a huge, huge hauler that you know kicks the Type Nine's butt uh, across the system. So, uh, but that's the rumor, and people. The rumor was stoked because no one recognized the cockpit that was behind the people, uh, the three guys from uh, Frontier doing the uh, live stream. So that's the it fed the speculation. So we'll see how that goes, though. But I th but uh, yeah, so uh, beta starts October 30th. Beta should end around November 30th. Release presumably would follow a week or two later. So you know, hopefully, hopefully by Christmas time we'll have the patch. All right, so let's uh, moving into on to Star Citizen. Let's talk about cloth fabric. All right, first off, the background, they had a really cool uh, video about the talk that talked about physics in the game. And one of the things they talked about was cloth. And they, they showed a tarp draping over a ship. They showed a guy running around with a cape. Um, we, we affectionately dubbed Cothman or Clothman. And uh, I will be cosplaying him because he is awesome. Um, and they also showed a garbage <laughs> man from uh, Hurston. Um, with basically trash bags all over him and a cool mask and a hat he wasn't wearing for some reason. 
So I uh, so that I think what people missed about that because there was people like we were just chatting with a variety of people on the subject, and I think what people are missing is that this isn't really only about cloth. What this is about is um, is simulating cloth-like substances, and which is cool for clothes, right? But um, you got to think about it in a larger context because this same technology can be applied to all sorts of materials. They even mentioned shields briefly. Shields. Yes. Yeah. Like 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 yeah. like shields, like doors, like all sorts of any kind, of, like all of the interesting alien tech that we haven't seen yet. Right. Like they did show off a bit of like the Xion and Banu technology where they're like uh, or, or the the the, the 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 collapsing things and stuff like that but we, we've just seen bits and pieces of that with the the what about massive solar sails you could crash through with your ship yeah well i don't Pretty know cool. solar sails they haven't really established in the lore as being a thing i mean it makes sense but it just be neat you make it when you have that kind of asset exactly <laughs> but, but yeah but like yeah but exactly so solar so that kind of thing is is exactly what it's it's, it's enabling right now right um, and as you were saying, shields, that was another thing I missed, mentioned other people too. If you have, uh, right now, the shields on the, the main ships just kind of ripple, right? You hit them and you see that splash damage. You know, if you want to introduce an alien uh, technology and the shields just look different when they behave, it's easy to see, that would be easily cloth simulation over it and it just looks different, right? So I, I think this is just the beginning of really cool new effects that we're going to see as a as the new alien races and new technology are added to the game. Because we really haven't seen uh, much of the Vanduul, much of the Banu, much of the Xion, etc. I thought it was pretty cool because one of the game immersion breaking things for me is like if you're in a, in a game, let's, 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 oh, for God's sakes, let's just take WoW for an instance. And you're, and you got a cloak on and, and you got these, this big old sword and you, and a bow or whatever. The, the, thing sticks when you mount or something the thing just sticks out like <laughs> it's just so it's a, it, it never lays right or yeah. never meshes collision right. with cloths is and hard that, and, 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 yeah. and, and the way they're doing it now it looks like it it's much better than your typical game right and that and I think as they improve this this will, this will add to the add to the immersion effect which I that's what Star Citizen is for me is the in full immersion it's a it's not just a space sim but it's an immersive space sim yeah and, or and, emulsion and, and, emulsion space and us old backers <laughs> jeff we all got that uee environment coat right and uh yep yep yeah everybody loves their brown coat dusters right so uh, yep. i think we're going to see a, we're going to see a lot of that in game i think I, and you know something uh, that and that will help with that that explorer type moby glass too you know, that's going to be pretty cool, which which was attributed to my hangar in 2014 or something like that. So Tony wasn't looking deep enough. The video wasn't all just about uh, uh, fabrics. It was about wind also. Did you see how the wind made the fabric react? That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. They had a multiple uh, impetuses they could apply to it. And they showed some weather stuff too, right, in the same video? The beginning of the weather is what they said. They said this is the beginning of our weather system. So what they have now apparently is a basic wind system that can cover the circular uh, volume of the planet. And then they have instanced wind objects and entity or entities, I mean, that they can place that can be dynamic like the ones on the back of a ship. So when they drape a tarp over a ship and it blows off, 
You know, that's how these things all work together. That's really cool. I can see how that's going to evolve into weather. And the plants right now look, I mean, even without weather and stuff, look really good, but they're not, they're static, right? They're, they're just like, they're, they're just like ED planets, right? You know, you land on them and there's nothing that really changes to them, right? They're just, they're just bodies there. And so the wind, I think. Well, this, until you shoot things. Unless you they shoot, have unless you biomes blow things up, that yes. Elite doesn't. Right. Uh, the, the thing that got me was that the trees were moving differently yeah. and not in sync. Uh, like, like you know, because if you ever watch trees in a wind, in wind, they they twist and turn and and uh, weave differently from each other uh, as as the wind, and that was um, and that made it really um, saying this was cool. Yeah. yeah, taken together with some of the other talks, the idea of wind on the planets is is very exciting. Not only from like just an immersion point of view, but from all the gameplay it adds too to the game. It's just cool to start seeing some of the things that we've been looking at come together and play together and how they can work together and start to see how the vision's starting to come together. Because up until like the most recent Citizen Con, it felt like a lot of broken pieces for me. And it kind of that whole stream that they did and everything that I've seen since kind of bringing it together for me. And this, this is also part of that. It's really coming together. It makes it feel more complete. All right, so the next uh, the next item up for bids here is the uh, the the flight system, uh, the, the flight model panel. Well, I think they really thought this through. I mean, if you think about how flight in space is going to take place, the the overthrust, the underthrust, the, the the way you can tune your thrust, this all of this makes really just plain sense. And I, I'm surprised they didn't come up with this before, but. It's certainly going. It's it's certainly going to change, uh, for the better, the how we fly in Star Citizen. Well, let, let's be fair to them in, in their past endeavors. I mean, this has all been a giant experiment for them, right? And I think a lot of the things that they have done, especially can they they showed how what, what the new prototyping tools are they didn't have before. Um, that they were they were they were really trying things and seeing how they felt, and then and then iterating on that. And the new stuff that they're showing off now is, um, I you know I don't know. Some people blame blame people from the past that are, that are the engineers on here, and I want to I want to I want to go and refute that and say I think they're standing on their shoulders for refining the flight that is in Star Citizen. And, yeah, I agree. And I agree. Finding out like what is actually fun here, and I think and and from I, I haven't had a chance to play with it much. I feel bad. I mean, I've flown around a little bit. Um, and, and a lot of the changes that they that they showed off aren't actually in 3.3 they're in 3.4 but um, I, I want to say that you know uh, it is an iter- this this is this is an iteration on top now some of the changes I think that we should probably address real quick are our boost is gone um, long live afterburner um, <laughs> there's not two different boosts. which is boost yes well they, they got they, they used to have two different ones which was extremely annoying and confusing and then they, um, at the same time, they had, you can only boost up to basically cruising speed, which is your uh, your upper tier speed where you can't turn very fast. And, um, and now you can just gradually accelerate up to, so you don't have to use it. It's really boat. funny, Brian, because they, when I was going through the, I uh, going through my P, uh, PTU flight customization controls for my HOTUS, they still had afterburner and boost. As selectable items in the uh, control scheme, so it was work in progress. Yeah, yeah. again, I think half of this stuff is in three and three, three, three and a half. It's 
or I, I, I haven't, I, I don't know. They, they were cleared in some of the things and whether they're in 3.3. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the button's there either way. So, you know, going along with the boost thing, you no longer have to <clears throat> boost to get to cruising speed. You just gradually climb up. And, uh, but as you're gradually climbing, it kind of, uh, once you get above a certain level, um, outside of these little divots they have on your speed bar now, then it drastically starts limiting your, your turn rate. So you, you have, depending on how you set your safeties and whatnot, will depend on, on how restricted you are into that. But after a while, you no longer can, can, can turn as much as you, you were before. And it, it, it's, it's a way of more gradually bringing you up to speed and letting having more flexibility in combat if you're trying to get away versus, uh, versus slowing down to turn faster. Um, overall, they think the new strat the new system where you're trying to have to battle between speed and 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 maneuverability with the new system is more tactical in terms of uh, uh, you know space combat and and the uh, the overall strategy that you have you have to employ with with the ships and it also gives a, a different trade off for the ships as well. Part of that is because the system translates over into decoupled mode as well. Right. So it can actually uh, vastly if now you now you can like change uh, direction and decoupled and and uh, that kind of stuff. So it, it really does make a tactical um, by by you know quickly coupling decoupling shifting thrusting. You can you can devise new tactics in the way you're going to attack an enemy uh, they, yeah, uh, and be they they they've, they've always had the. The decoupled changing direction, but you know, the way I think your point there, Jeff, is that it's it's a little more useful now. It's a little more fluid right. to get in and out of it and and, and and take advantage of it. One of the other things I guess they change is they, they they've they've tried to build a little more of the lore back into the into the thrusters. Um, they're specifically modeled after a, uh, a, a near future technology called Vasmer, which is a ionized plasma thruster. That's real now. It's not real. It's actually in space flight, right? No, I think they're actually te the, yeah, no, they're, they're testing it on the ISS. There's a there's a prototype. Those are those are ion drives. Those aren't quite the same as Vasmer, are they? No, the Vasmer is ion. We we actually covered this in a Squawk Box segment and the ion Vasmer is is the ion. I mean the the Vasmer drive is an ion thrust system. Excellent. So the, I guess on top of that, you know, the, they're also modeling damage to your thrusters and damage the thrusters from from external damage sources and from over throttling because they're it is modeled on new real technology now um the, the effects of overheating make more sense right because it's actually channeling real plasma and so you can if you're pushing your if you if you turn off the safeties on your thrusters or if you just if you just boost the power to them you can overtax your thrusters and you'll see uh uh, degradation over time, and you'll see those in terms of numbers in your in your HUD. So you don't have to worry about uh, guessing as to whether you're eating away your thrusters or not. You'll you'll actually see that, and they accelerate in the demo to show off. But the the other thing about that is also if if you do take a damage to one thruster or one side of your thrusters or or something, you can compensate the other side to to balance to keep you in you know instead of you spinning out of control because only one thruster one side of your thrusters is firing. You now, because they've done this with uh, with individual thruster controls, you can actually compensate for failing thrusters, and uh, so you're not driving so much power out of one side, and therefore, you know, uh, the un the the damaged side is keeping up with the undamaged side, and so forth. So it, the gameplay uh, the gameplay for this 
is really realistic. It, it really brings that, that realistic element to how you survive out in space and what you can do to, to you know, maintain some type of uh, life out there. Speaking of out in space, they also made a bunch of improvements to in atmosphere as well. And so the, uh, uh, the new atmosphere controls are, they've always had drag, I think, but now they have uh, gravity and lift uh, with, with, along with drag are a more cohesive elements that they have. And they showed how uh, different ships fly in atmosphere now. Uh, specifically the Gladius, which has looks like a normal airplane, flew excellent in atmosphere, while the Aurora threw, flew like a, a flying brick, as they put it. Um, it was really hard to turn, it was really hard to maneuver, etc. Um, there was another love given to the Aurora in the fact that it does fly better in space now. So as in terms of, of your basic starter ship, it should be a much better experience in space. And it will fly in atmosphere, but it will dogfight like crap in atmosphere. Which makes sense. Why would you expect your, your first ship to be a great fighter? Honestly. Well, I think the, the problem with the Aurora, in, especially in space combat, is that, you know, it is your starting ship, and you have to, if you're going to be on a like a fighter track, you know, you want to be able to kill something in order to, to advance. And it was, it was pretty garbage about killing even the easiest stuff. I have the military Aurora and I've never been very good at it. So, (laughs) well, now you'll be a little bit better because they made it better. Doubt it. (laughs) Let's finish. Let's wrap this up and say there's a couple of 3.4 promises specifically better balancing on hover bikes. Um, ESP is coming in back in 3.4 and uh, a, a better better UI and landing improvements. So ESP, uh, extreme stick precision, estimated stick precision. What was that? It was. I, I forget what that was supposed to be. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, nobody else remembers either. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thing things to do with sticks and being smarter about sticks. Yeah, Amontillado said enhanced stick precision. So we're gonna go with Tony is right on. Yeah. That. There you go. Yeah. So or Tony was close anyway. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, I think it remembers how you fly and tries to mimic that. So, uh, okay, well, I'll come back. All right, so uh, I've been quiet up till now on this stuff, but now we're on to the Tony Z panel. Oh, no. And I have words. I, I'm going to have words, but we'll just sort of the high level, the high, the high level, the high level here, they, uh, there are two or three sort of major sections of it. The first one was essentially their the 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 background economy. Uh, the the 90% NPC universe that's going to be running in the background. Uh, the second part was the law and order, crime and punishment, don't be naughty to people section. And then what was the third part? The third part was uh I forget what the third part was. That that part didn't bother me too much. And then there was the sort of the wrap up. And I'm going to start with the wrap up. Because this is the part that just made me go, what? It was, you know, he took some questions from the floor, and then the last one was like, tell me about NPCs. And he's like, oh, I could go on for an hour on NPCs. I got some, we have that system basically dialed in. Everything we can tell, we can tell you all about it, but we're not going to. Okay, have a nice night. Tony Z out. I'm like, what? That's the exact sort of thing that if you had an hour to talk about it, would have been great. Because we would have loved to have heard about all the things we could do with our NPCs and get it crewed and all that kind of thing. Would love to have heard about that, but that was just that was, that wrap up just was like, ugh, that just that just that was that was that teaser. was the wrong way to that end. Was, that. That's, that's, excited. That's, that's every Tony Z. That's the hype though. train, man. They're trying to get you excited. Ugh. Aren't you excited yeah, about what you can do with NPCs? Yeah, you, no, 
Uh, did that that just it was that was just the wrong way to end a talk the deep dive or whatever. It's like no man, don't do that. This you're supposed to be, you know, you're, you're holding back content for Citizen Con. Now you're holding back content at Citizen Con. No, 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 no. All right, but let's let's go back. Let's rewind this thing back to the beginning. The background sim. So, it's Elite Dangerous. Only it's not. It's in Star Citizen. But basically, the whole system sounds a lot like what we've got in Elite Dangerous now. So now it's your turn to tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think that the difference here is is that the 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 elements are a little more visible, I think, than than Elite Dangerous. Like Elite Dangerous has the background simulation, and that background simulation affects prices and affects uh, affects the general universe, right? But it's more of kind of a a copy forward kind of a thing, right? Whereas the I will yeah it I'm gonna agree with you on the fact that it is difficult to tease out and you have to know what you're looking for to understand what's going on in the background that's for sure. Whereas the the the, the Star Citizen uh, economy is actually simulated with like phantom nodes and the, the nodes actually move around the universe and uh, are, are carrying goods and buying goods and doing behaviors and things like that at a very coarse level. That's yeah, not did. what he said. And he said that. If you no, go, if, if there are you, probability curves. Well, sure, right, but there's a probability that this guy is moving through this sector for doing this thing, right? And if you go there, there's a probability that you're going to run into that guy that's doing that thing for that node, right? No, 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 no. He's, there, there's probability volumes, which means that in any given area of space, there's a chance, there's a percentage chance of these things happening. And when you move through there, the machine's going to calculate. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll it's happen. It's based on the it's based on the simulation, though. Well, yeah, like everything in a computer. No, 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 but I mean, but, it's well, just that if, here's if, an example. If, but there's no. <clears throat> For instance, let's say you know they're they're simulating the economy of planet Exelzabub and it's shipping ore off of it or something like that right now, right? It's part of the the simulated economy, right? And they have they have they have um, trade nodes or whatever going on in the background right there, right? Well, now there's a probability volume. Of increasing you seeing Hull E's full of air ore carrying um, the launching off of the, the the orbital platform around there. And if you're a pirate, you can intercept those nodes and you'll get the ore that's currently being shipped off of that planet. That that's I think that's what he's talking about there. There's you do see real universe impacts from the simulation that's going on um, around you. You there's a probability of you seeing yeah. real universe impacts I don't, if you're traveling through that volume. I don't see how that's a lot like Elite at all, Tony. I'm sorry. I don't get what you're talking about. I, I, what, what Brian's describing is an in-depth system that reacts to the background system. Maybe he's talking about the, uh, the effects of the background simulation on your experience, and maybe what you're talking about is the underlying how it works. Well, we don't see the background, right? Neither, neither in either in Elite Dangerous or in the described system in Star Citizen, we don't see the background. What we see is the result. In Elite, if your system is in boom and uh, there's factions uh, uh, vying for your services, you see that on the mission board, and you'll also see that expressed in the unidentified signal sources that you come across. You'll find more trader convoys and and attacked uh, trader convoys giving distress signals and stuff like that because there's a boom on. You don't see that unless you go into the starport, check out the mission board, see that these factions are in boom, and then look at all the, the missions for hauling that you get. You see it a little bit if you're out there and you and you run into USSs and go, hey, what's that? Oh, it's a, it's a trade caravan in distress. I'll jump down and rescue the, the ship or whatever. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression. Both systems have an underlying sort of probability that gets tweaked based on economic conditions. But in the it, 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 but in both systems also, 
you you run into it. And, and you run into it at the mission board, and you run into it as you fly through space. So how is Star Citizen different, Kinshadow? It's not. That was my point. Star Citizen, so that's it's not I'm different. I'm asking Brian what he meant, because how it's different, because I think he had some points. I think there's there's two different things here that, that are also going on. Number one, in a, in a purely economic sense, right? You're 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 right. Maybe the maybe the background economics are are vaguely similar, right? I think the visual expression is obviously different. But I think the the bigger thing, and I think that Tony that Tony pointed out is the like the 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 NPCs that are actually being given and servicing missions. Those aren't probability volumes. He specifically said those are actually nodes being simulated in the background, and those are all all being taken jobs. So to give you an example, you do have a background simulation doing broad economy stuff from planet Zelzebub. But on planet Zelzebub, they will have stock of this ore, right? And they're like, we need to get this from 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 Zelzebub to Zunzabar. I don't know why I'm in the Z's at the moment. Z's um, are great. They're just great. It's Tony Z, so you're giving all those Z names. So that's, that's, yeah. Anyway, we're going from Z- Zelzebub to Terra. Let's do this. So I got a T and a Z. <clears throat> So we're going from sure. Zelzebub to Terra, sure. right? This is a job that's actually going to be posted to the job board so, so players can pick it up. After a while, if players don't pick it up, an NPC picks it up. And then the system simulates a, a an NPC node picking up that job and taking it to Terra, right? Which does not happen in Elite. Well, no, well, it kind of does because you see trade routes in Elite in the map. And this is a, this is this is a node you can actually interact with. And I'm, he's, I thought it was pretty explicit in, in in the talk. Yeah, he was very explicit. So it, it's a promotion system. Most of it's probability, but then if there's a chance of you interacting, it's promoted to a a a virtual spoofed one. And then if there's and then you go you go up another one if there's a uh, if there's a uh, mission call out. If someone if someone is recruiting you for a mission or putting a mission like you said on a job board, that's that's another that's another sort of promotion yeah, from the it, probability background. And then the highest ranked one is the one where you, you they have to spawn a full ship that's full sure, of whatever. Sure, but, 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 but it's so a, it's a but tier. The it's NPCs a hierarchy. NPCs potentially take the same jobs that player characters do, and they do them in a much higher frequency, right? So risk, rescue missions or this rescue right, missions, 90%. bounty hunting missions, and stuff like that. Like like say you're a bad guy, right? And a bounty hunting mission is is is, mm. is is triggered because of you. Or an NPC is a bad guy and a bounty hunting mission is triggered because of you, because of them. An NPC could be spawned eventually to go take that, that bounty hunting job, right? And that means either that bounty hunting that bounty hunting NPC is going after a real player or it's going after an NPC. If it's going after an NPC and no one's in that area, then we don't see the effects of that. It's just nodes canceling nodes. But all of those those things are actual things. So if you were to go to that system that you probably wouldn't know to exist and found the guy and or let's say that let's say a bounty hunting job is spawned uh, for a bad guy NPC in a specific system, right? And there's a and uh, bounty hunters or our NPCs have taken that job. And you also see that job and go take it. You may run into those exact NPC bounty hunters on the way to find that 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 bad guy NPC. It's all that all the same system. So the NPCs are using the same job system. I did not hear the that same at job all. System as as the player character. Can I ask you a quick question? Is this what they were talking about when they were saying you might go to, to an objective and find out that your objective had already been taken, and then have to track that down and, and missions would change? Because that was something in the live stream. 
Um, that was in the, the, the keynote. And, that, and that's I, not the that, same that, system that doing probably, that, right? That was probably talking about player characters because they don't have NPCs that do this right I see, now. Yeah, see, system. what you were describing sounds really cool, but it sounds like that. And I thought, I didn't think, I didn't get that from that discussion. So I just wanted to clarify. No, this is, a, this is from the Tony Z discussion. And this is something that Tony Z has talked about before, too. I, I didn't get that at all from it. But, well, but, well you, again, this is part of the problem is that uh, if uh, one of the things that we sort of talked about in chat recently was... Uh, uh, or today even was that there was a summary put out by the relay guys um, who have been in the transcription of uh, uh, of CIG content for a really long time, and they put out a, sort of a, a summary or analysis of it. A lot of that summary and analysis was the author hearing things and saying, "This is my own interpretation of what's going on." A lot of this, to me. There's lots of ways to take it, and there's lots of ways to hear it, and lots of ways to interpret it, almost like the collapsing of a quantum probability curve, like we were talking about. I mean, it's you can collapse this wave a variety of different ways depending on how you hear it. Because Brian heard some things and, and, and said some things. I did not hear that at all in the talk. It, it I heard I got a different message. I got a different. Me- I honestly did. I got a different message uh, about about how the probability works. Tony talked really fast, and I can see how. How how people can miss things? I don't know. I watched it. Tw- I watched it like twice. So I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, again. Yeah. Like I said. But, but that's kind of. And, and I I read the relay analysis, and his analysis was even different than what I'm what I'm saying and what you're saying. So it's like we all heard that we all heard. I didn't even get a, I, I didn't get a I, chance to finish the relay analysis. I, I'm I'm aware of three different points of view on this, and none of them exactly mesh. We all heard different things from the talk, and I think that's a problem. But but we'll, we'll move on because it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to collapse the probability function uh, uh, here tonight. Uh, the law and order system seemed like more or less what we've been hearing from the beginning, except for the possibility of going to prison, which I guess is in its early modeling stages. It's like you know that has been in, that has been in since the beginning or since very close to the beginning. Too. Right, but this one is they're saying you're going to go there and stay there. It was good to get some clarification on that. Uh, okay. So okay, so I don't know what Tony's going to end up with because yeah, it's he, early. I think he kind of floated. He 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 was really vague in the talk about the, what exactly the prison means. Yeah, that's um, other, than, other than the NPC, yes. Um, but the original thing that Chris wanted was he was like, okay, bad guys need to get punished, right? So and we don't, but we don't want to make it unfun, right? You know, there, there, you, you said there's immersion. Immersion is better than fun. In theory, but it's there. You get you have a limit, right? So uh-huh. you don't want to actually sit in jail, right? So the idea that Chris had that he came up with years ago that he that he pitched on a freaking ten for the chamber and something like that was that you're a bad guy, you get taken to jail, you have two options when you get to jail. You can kind of hang out there if you want, you know, and it probably wouldn't be that long, but you hang out there and do your time. You could pay a fine, or you can try and break out of prison. And there's a whole mini game or whatever for breaking out of prison. Oh, don't forget what he so, said about that, proxies either. Oh, that's been a, that's also been since the beginning. Yeah. So if you get captured, uh, you get um, you basically get turned into if you, you you basically if you get if you how, how did it say if somebody like does not lethal damage to you can go on your merry you, way. <laughs> yeah, you can you can you can actually choose a surrender option, and when you choose a surrender option, you just go to jail. And an NPC is put into your place in the real world, and then they can do whatever they like to your NPC, um, meaning that they can take that they can take their time taking you to prison or flushing you out an airlock or whatever the case is. 
so uh, and I forget what the third section of it was, but uh, I, it was maybe blanked out when with my rage at the whole. Yeah, I know everything about NPCs, but I'm not going to tell you about them uh, thing. I don't know. Does anybody else remember what the what kind of the third? I don't remember. And we're out of time anyway. So we'll have to wrap it up real quick by saying Kin Shadow is now the star of ATV. That was cool. Yay. Like, like Even forever. had a speaking my, part. My ponytail is anyway. Well, so. I did. Yeah, so we just need to make sure that you, you get your residuals. You had a speaking part and a famous actress. <laughs> you have to frame this right. You have to frame this right. I did. Elizabeth. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Her name is She's Elizabeth, so famous, she's looking it up. Uh, <laughs> Maxwell. Well, he got... He, yeah, I, 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 I keep it. forgetting her last name. I, I remember yeah. her first name because I call her Elizabeth multiple times, but right. I keep forgetting her last name. Uh, yeah. She's a she's actually a famous voice actress. She was in a bunch of anime. She's in a bunch of movies. She's actually one of the, she's actually one of the ship voices. Uh, whichever one is female from between Aegis and Anvil. I can't remember. Um... And uh, and apparently I didn't know who the hell she was when I directed her. So. It was your big, your big chance. You missed out. Oh well, next time. Big chance next year. Next year. But it, it was fun, and she was a very nice person. And as was David, the other mocap guy, who wasn't famous, whose last name you don't remember at all. Uh, they didn't tell me his last name. I only reason I only reason I even know Elizabeth's last name was because someone later goes, "Dude, you didn't know who that was." <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> That's funny. All right. That's funny. All right. Well, now that we're all caught up on Space Sim News, let's go straight to the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? We're all friendlies. So let's just be friendly. Some say he'd like extra clearance in his ships and that he really likes the Idris for all the spare elbow room. But all we know is he's called the Shiv and he helped put together this week's feedback. A recap of last week's community question... Immersion versus fun. Where are you on this segment? Sean Newboy writes in, Loved the show, everyone. Great job. I love the Squadron 42 trailer. Very cool. Facebook voice, really? I want immersive and works. If I get both of those, I will find a way to have fun. Benu Ra writes in, To Butcher, Ken from Chicago. Awful show, guys. To Ken Shadow, thanks for being positive. Hey, I was positive. And I love seeing your Desert Nomad outfit. Hopefully, Sig gets those picks up soon. Trademark. See, Jeff, you need to get into cosplay. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I did the SCA for years. Years, my friend. Uh, never again. <laughs> <clears throat> for the community question, I'm probably 75% fun, 25% immersion on that scale. But I remain unconvinced that the travel times are the real problem. I expect that there will be lots of ways that the travel time problem could, would be addressed for me. The demo analysis. I'm hyped that this multi-branched mission is coming in 3.3.x with Hurston Lorville. As far as I know, I still can't play the Miles Eckhart Double Cross U or the Sandworm demo mission, and they may never really get it implemented. That this demo mission is coming in 3.3.x is a big change and an important step forward to me. On mission design, we saw one path, of at least three by my count, on a mission that was scripted to show off a new Valkyrie. Also, I thought the Cutlass was a player ship playing the Butt-Fedora role to help show off this real MMO where you could ask for a friend to come and rescue you. My impression was that the AI aggressors were only 
at the underground base. On US, AUEC to money conversion or to dollars and the economy stuff, way too early to even bother doing the math. Road to release math and they should have released it years ago. Comment that Tommy dropped about one hour and 12 minutes in. Oh, he's watching you, Tony. <laughs> Timestamps help. Timestamps do help. Q screaming at my phone. If I'm allowed to theorycraft as far as Tony does, then this is the kind of thinking that has hamstrung Frontier from delivering on features like space legs. Elwook writes in and says, Great show, guys. I enjoyed your analysis of Sitcon, as sober and in-hyped as it was. I want Star Citizen to be immersive and paced. I want to feel the satisfaction of accomplishment as self-loathing as it may be. I think tonight I should finally sign up for Patreon. Honestly, I've been a freeloader for years. And if I can figure out where the link is, it's that big button. <laughs> I'll get the I'll get with the program. As mutually destructive as this relationship will become. It's a button. We tell you every week at the very beginning how to find it's it. That big button on if our you website. need help, email. We will help you. It's okay. Rent a spoon writes in and says, fun is always immersive. Immersive isn't always fun. It's not positive or negative, just numbers, question mark. Tony, you ignorant slut. Yay. The numbers you are using are positive, dir. Oh, I, I, okay, on the integer scale, you are correct. The numbers were all positive. <laughs> there weren't any actual negative numbers in the analysis. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, back to the feedback. Where are the animals in Elite? Where are the humans? Never seen them, only ships and projected avatars stuck in pilot seats. In fact, I reckon we are AI and Thargoid, Chris Roberts, best damn space sim. We are the 90% after all. Also, love the guys in Consolidated Outlands, good actors and funny as anything. When it comes to the UEC, my thoughts are the poor mission giveouts. Let's CIG see what people do in the game when the money isn't the reason to play them. People play what they enjoy rather than grind for cash. On the other side, PTU with ridiculous amounts of money then gets them stats on what people buy because they're popular and then adjust prices to the economics. Not saying I'm right, it just seems logical to me. So uh, Henry's going to break down Ken from Chicago. As we've been sort of going through the feedback here, Ken from Chicago kind of covers a lot of turf. He covered a lot more turf, and Shiv opted to use his shorter version. And then I took a look at his shorter version, and I had to cut it down some more. And it's still long enough that we're going to break it down into sections bit by bit, and I'm going to invite everybody to jump in as we go through each section. So take it away, Henry. Ken from Chicago writes, First, I really enjoyed last week's episode. It was like a revival of hashtag guard frequency of old. It was great hearing the team at full force discussing and analyzing hashtag Star Citizen in general and this year's hashtag CitizenCon in particular. However, in large part based on an email, there were raised some questions, issues, some, if you will, citizen concerns. Thank you, I'll be here uh... all week. I'd like to address those. Number one, simple question. Did Tony want more traveling in the CitizenCon demo this year or less? Either or is fine, but you can't complain about the lack of time flying in space and then complain about the time flying in the planet. You can't complain about the time traveling on the trains and then complain that they should have spent more time traveling through the city to show that it was more explorable. Technically, you can argue about contradictory things, but undermines both complaints and gives the mistaken appearance of trolling Star Citizen. I know that's not what Tony meant, that's why I'm asking. More or less traveling. Okay, so so to, to, be, to clarify a couple points here. Number one, it's not the lack of time flying in space. I wanted to see the transition. So however they needed to accomplish that, I just wanted to see the transition 
you know, hook it hooked up. You know, the the, the player, the planet uh, is hooked up to the space system. That's apparently not a thing right now, and it's still to be determined. However, it would have been nice to see in the demo. So, not the traveling; it's the transition that I wanted to see. The next part about the uh, flying on the planet versus exploring the city. I don't want to explore the city. That's I want everything to be right there. I roll out of bed and I can do all my shopping and get my ship and buy my helmet and stuff because I want to be right there. That's I don't. There's no reason in my view to spread it all out. And finally, I want to do. I I totally missed this in the earlier segment, and I feel terrible about it because Tony Z did in fact confirm that there will be many jump points in the game because you can explore and find intra-system wormholes to, quote, decrease travel times. They'll be super valuable and everybody will want to find them because they're awesome because they're many jump points. So it, it's the, it, they're going to put a mechanic in the game that will allow you to drastically cut out the travel times, which to me increases fun, perhaps at the cost of decreasing immersion. To me. I think one of the, the his his points on that particular talk was it increases the payout on uh, for explore, explorers. I think that was the big point of, of many jump points, right? Well, and also it decreases travel time. He made a point to say that it'll greatly decrease travel time across the system. Many jump points, yay! Number two, the mission demo was misunderstood. It was not merely a demonstration of how a mission would work in Star Citizen. It was serving multiple purposes. A the size of Lorville and Hurston allows hundreds, if not thousands, of players to see each other in their sky. Unlike some games where you see no more than one player, you, in your sky. B. You can cooperate and help each other, or maybe you might want to race to beat them to the reward or actively attack each other to oppose your progress, which the other starship, a Cutlass, did in blowing up your ship. That required you to get help. It showed the value of teaming up even on a seemingly simple fetch quest. C. It showed new features currently in-game. A breathable atmosphere, wind, fire, blowing leaves, waving plants, platform-style game mechanics in the game, keyword new features, not the same old spaceflight feature. And D. Lastly, the length of time to travel to places show the value of upgrading the engines to boost the speed of your ship. It also showed the value of using a cyclone or Nox to travel to your location. Those are smaller and easier to hide in trees from hostile NPCs, and hostile players flying above. Lastly, Tony is right. We criticize because we care. We point out the strengths so people will keep doing that and point out the flaws so people will fix those. We do this in further support of the idea that is Guard Frequency's unofficial slogan, I love the game we're making. Yes, that is the short version, everybody. Yeah, that was that was the short version for Ken of Chicago. Th- Ken, thank you for writing all that in and thank you for taking the time to do it. Um, so the, on this point, on the point about the demo, I, there's... There's certainly good arguments for for that. I would say that the if we could see thousands of players in the system, that would be that's a few steps down the road from where we are now. Again, that was not something demonstrated in this Citizen Con. It's been promised. We might see it later on, but it was not demonstrated this time. Um, the seemingly simple fetch quest, I would say, they're supposed to be simple because the mission system should give you an idea of the risks and rewards you're going to get at the outset. You know, uh, and 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 you should be able to make those decisions in an informed manner when you decide to take the mission. Um, and if you're going to have to go on to additional steps or face additional risks and consequences, the system should be upgrading your reward appropriately. So, I, and I didn't see I didn't see an example of that happening um, on the C point. Uh, they, I guess those I mean those are I guess new features. 
Um, but I, it, it, I'm, I've never been excited for the FPS in the first place. So I, I, I see your point, but it didn't excite me personally. Uh, and then the on the on the last point on the travel stuff, sure. I mean, it, you can go faster with the engines, but again, it's going to depend on your ship because some like we were talking earlier, the Aurora is going to suck in atmosphere. Other plan, other planes and other ships will be better. And if you want to take a smaller bike or speeder, that's probably going to take even longer to get to your destination, even if it might be sneakier. Uh, so you know that that stealth mechanic will come at a at a cost for even a more additional travel time. And yes. We love the game we're building, and it's exciting when people take our feedback on board, even if it's not from just us. They hear the same thing from other parts of the community. Um, but it's uh, we do love the games that we build, and we wouldn't talk about it if we didn't care. Silent Hunter writes in, answering the question, and says, In the middle. I don't want an immersion where it's boring, and I don't want unrealistic fun. For example, the walk I have to do from my room to Port Annoying Alasar to my ship is immersive, but it isn't really fun. Yes, said SC et al. are not cartoons, and if Roadrunner turns up, meep meep, I'm out of there faster than a mixed metaphor derails the conversation train. That was good. That was a mixed metaphor. Yeah, that was, that was a good that point. Was, everybody's yeah. trying to be Bobo today. <laughs> yeah, no, I, no it's, it, but it's true. It's, it's true. You know, the, the immersion versus fun calculus is going to be different for every game designer and every player. So, Cast member writes in and says, Por qué no los dos? Immersion is fun when done right, and just straight up over-the-top shenanigans are also fun. There is a time and a place for both. I wouldn't expect something like Star Fox to be the ultra-immersive like Star Citizen or Elite Dangerous. At the same time, I wouldn't expect a ton of goofy memes and silly cartoon animals out of those games. If I want to play arcadey flight sims, I go play Ace Combat. Hey, that's a pretty good game. If I want something ultra-realistic, I'll go play DCS. Both are fun, but in different ways. Really, this boils down to personal preferences. Neither is wrong. Werchel writes in, I'm fine with the immersive train rides and long travel times, as long as payouts are adjusted accordingly, and as long as there's enough variety in the immersive experience. And in general feedback, Lethality says, Guys, I think my blood pressure literally went up on the way to work this morning listening to the latest episode, Winky Face. I challenge Tony to a debate. We need to have write, a write it in, buddy. Write it in. He's like, it bring in. it. Let's do we should, this. We should have a Colin show. We should have a Colin show. Oh, God, a Colin show. Remember when he used to do those and be creepy people they like were, King Shadow would dial in? Jesus oh, Christ, what oh, a weirdo. My. No, no, I mean, they're fun, but they're fun, but they just, they, they, they can go off the rails. Mm -hmm. They can, they really can. I have enough time keeping you guys on track. Versoth writes in and says, this is incredible. Only Tony is thinking about anything rationally. And the entire episode is everyone else trying to defend their emotional reactions to what he's saying and resisting accepting the facts as they are. It is wonderful. Really? Tony, Tony's got a new pen name. It's Versoth Guys. now. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. you, know how, you know how you can tell that wasn't me? Because it was on Reddit. That's how you can tell it wasn't me. Kaiser Solo writes in and says, Great, another episode of Tony sounding off about Star Citizen. Totally sick of it. Please move on. Everybody in the podcast endures this from him, and they're probably sick of it too. Jeff hardly ever speaks because of it. Quote, This is why I keep silent. Tony, it takes you ages to fly around an Elite, and it's boring AF. But that's basically all you do in Elite. Yawn. 
He really needs to take off the law hat and chill next time. Give CIG and your listeners a break. Yes, I've listened for what? Three or four years. <laughs> it's worth noting he cut out a big portion of that, but it was all in the same tone. The the, the essence, I believe the essence of it was yeah, distilled. The yes, essence was the essence. Uh, preserved, I think. And thanks for all the feedback. I hate that we have to edit so many of them this week, but Giroux writes, The Redeemer is a gunship. The Valkyrie is a troop transport, a.k.a. dropship. They serve different purposes. A gunship is like the Hind, basically a slow-moving weapons platform. And the Valkyrie is like a Sikorsky. Has weapons, but it's mainly a body mover. Also, the Redeemer holds six, and the Valkyrie holds 20. Do the math. I've been told. They do have another n- another uh, dropship, though, and that's the Vanguard variant I forget the name of. But, um, yeah, point taken. They, they, they kind of hybridize the Redeemer, and I expect, I expect when they redo it, they'll just take a lot of those seats out, too. Virtual Captain writes in and says, 19 minutes, I'm not disappointed, 61% undelivered. This is how CIG walks all over their fan base. Any chance I can get a copy of that Excel file? Uh, I did ask uh, Ben to see if we could post that to our show notes. So if you go back and check out the show post for that episode on GuardFrequency.com, I think you'll see that there. If you don't, shoot us an email and I'll have uh, uh, Ben send it to you directly. Oh, boy. And now it's that time, kids. It's that time. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's our good friend Clown Bobo. I have to get into my voice here. Hang on. Clown Bot writes in and says, Good evening. This is Bobo Cronkite once again reporting to you from the future. Judging by communiques received from your timeline, it now appears undeniable that this reporter is stranded within a different, albeit similar, timeline. So similar, it fairly rhymes. Which reminds me of a particularly warm summer evening driving with my best gal, Betsy, when we heard for the very first time the breathtaking harmonies of I Get Around by the Beach Boys. <sighs> I'm relieved to report that I have found a kindred spirit within this timeline. At first verse, Probs has taken this reporter in, and by his technical wizardry, stabilized my ability to phone home. Alas, even mighty Ben cannot recreate the necessary machinery to transport me home. I must breach the CIG inner sanctum and recover what was so cruelly taken from me. This is my quest. We will hear the white knights of the wing table at their nightly patrols. Their shrill cries of, UEC for sale, answer the call, come out and prove your allegiance. We dare not answer. Not yet. And that's the way it is. I'm Bubble Cromkite. Good night. Hashtag caveat emptor justification stink. Hashtag stand with Ben. Okay, and this is the good one. Hashtag DF parentheses Tony is right, comma time, close parentheses, greater than zero. And just because he didn't think I remembered my calculus, Le Cronkite writes in, from Boboco Morningstar Picayun, hashtag clarification bot, to Tony, care of guard frequency response. Sir, apologies for the entirely unnecessary parsimoniousness contained within our field agent's most recent hashtag submission. Hashtag DF, parentheses, Tony is right, comma, time, greater than zero, should have read hashtag, as time passes, Tony is becoming more and more right, where time is measured in discrete constant units whose first derivative is positively signed, and second derivative is zero, comma, duh. Please note that a letter has been placed in Mr. Clown's personal file. Continued regrets, Lebot. So a, ha- a hashtag containing calculus in there, that's either a new low or a new high. No new Patreon this week, so therefore no new winner. But Tony has something to say. 
don't forget we've got uh, new updated Patreon tiers, and we can send you T-shirts if you're a longtime subscriber. Check, check out our, the big Patreon button on our website to find out how you can help. And this week's community question. Traveling in-game, do you love the scenic route, or do you want to take the shortcut to adventure? And otherwise, how was the show? Should we scrap our flight model and refactor the background sim, or should we just honk and focus? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show post, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page. And that'll bring us to the end of episode 234 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 235 on October 30th, 2018. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanders, our elite contributor, Baxter, and of course, our audio engineers, Mikey Lennon and Bill Hardy. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard.